passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. What is Coop's first name? Huh? I don't know Coop's first name. It's Cooper. Oh, boy. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline for a big uh, chat about Mookie Betts. And I know that he's been in the room for moments like that before from Foyer. It is the voice of baseball in Boston. Our friend Lou Merloni brought to us by Shaw's and Star Market, where you can win free groceries in their Grand Slam summer sweepstakes. Uh, Lou, what do you make of that display from uh, Foyer earlier today? I tell you, not surprised. I did get a good chuckle out of it. It made me (laughs) smile. It made me laugh. I I was expecting the whole, like, last name, you know, because I was kind of with him. I'm like, I know, it's just Coop, right? And he's like, what's his first name? It just made me chuckle. Oh, thank you for, Claire, because uh, Foyer, for the last hour, has done everything possible to deflect. He's gone into full politician (laughs) mode. It's everybody else's fault but his. It's Coop's dad's fault. Yeah, blaming his dad (laughs) for naming him Cooper Leonard. I got a good chuckle out of it. I mean, that was fantastic. Better than sitting through, uh, what was it, uh, 11-0 midway through the third inning yesterday down there in Houston? Oh, baby. I tell you, that one was fun. You know, and, and the way they played the last two games, I mean, that third game was, was pretty impressive. Just, I think feel like they kind of just gutted it out. You had guys going down. You had, the effort was there. And then to be able to walk through them in that fourth game. But I, the way they played in that third and fourth game actually got me more upset with how they played in the first two because they just gave them away, right? No, I mean, the hitting part is one thing. The defense is another. Uh, but still, you came out of there with the, with a you know two and two. Now you sort of move on and try to win the next two series. It's funny, like the more the, the closer the season gets to the end, like closer we get to uh, uh, like September, October. Yeah, I start I start hearing more baseball analysts talking about like their team or specifically the the Red Sox more like you would like a football team. Because you don't have this huge amount of games, like 100-some-odd games. Now you're dealing with a smaller window. The games mean more. Like, every decision is important. Like, uh, screwing, screwing it up on a Tuesday and then, and then having a complete polar opposite defensive game on Wednesday, Lou, yeah. makes it seem more like a football game or like a, a, like a game like a, you know, where, where it matters more because there's not as many games. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's, it's hard because you sort of sit there and say, you know, oh, if they lose a series, they're done. Well, it's like if they get swept, they're in a lot of trouble, you know. And the other night was important to win that game because everybody had lost in front of you. And there's only going to be a few of those nights where maybe everybody in front of you loses. So it's, every game is important, but it's, you know, you still got what? You got 34 left. So even if they play good baseball, you know, they're going to lose 12 of them. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And that would be outrageous pace. So it's like they're, they're going to lose ball games. It's just a question of can they survive this next week, next week, and, and you know, come home, go on the road, take care of Kansas City. And it's just sort of like week to week, where does this team stand? And this is a tough stretch here with it, with the Dodgers in Houston again. So if, if that's the case, like, it, it, you know, yeah. what you would need some help. So wouldn't you need another team, like one of the teams ahead of you, like uh, Toronto or like Seattle, to have like this massive collapse? And if that is the case of the two teams, who's more likely to have a collapse? Well, I think the whole West right now is interesting with what Texas is doing. Talk about a collapse. Look at them. You know, and I know that it's, they're five games ahead of you, but, you know, Houston's four and, and I mean, Houston's three and Seattle's four, and they're going to start playing each other a little bit. So you see how that thing unfolds. The problem you have is you're not the next team up. Toronto is. Like, that's your problem. You were the next team up before you ran into Seattle and Toronto, you know, that little, that little two back-to-back series. So somehow you got to get to the next team up, and then sort of you can go head-to-head against somebody. And, Lou, it feels like – I know Cora mentioned in July winning 15 of 20. Yeah. That's really what the doctor ordered right now because in, in some of the math, and we rolled it out at the beginning of the show, six and four on this 10-game road trip, which is not bad. The problem is the Red Sox lost a half a game in the standings over those 10 games because somehow the Mariners – so they traded their closer and got yeah. hot. Am I, am I right on that? Yeah, they did. And they did it a few years ago. Graveman, actually, to Houston before as well. Um, but they collapsed that year. And, yeah, they, they lost ground to Seattle, but they, they gained a lot. They kind of reeled in, like, Houston. I didn't even have them in, in the, my thoughts. You know, I thought they were a team that was going to take off. But they, they reeled them in. They reeled in Texas. And now there's more teams involved. Now, listen, they're still far away from you. But I, I just think, you know, you got to go out there and win ball games and just sort of look up at the scoreboard at the end of the night and say, what happened, right? And just really got to put your blinders on if you're a baseball team right now and go out and try to win a series and then just look at what happens. If everybody starts sweeping and they run away from you, then there's nothing really you can do. So, Lou, is it foolish for me to think that suddenly uh, the Red Sox, especially defensively, will just start cleaning things up? You won't have the boneheaded mistakes. You won't have any of the issues that played you in the first two games, That what is, which is almost like a representation of the entire season. Is it foolish of me to think that, bam, okay, there goes the light switch, they're going to clean it up, and you won't have those issues anymore? Yeah, I, I wouldn't count on it. You know, and, and the reason why I say that is because they've just been that all year long. You know, and, and Corey was pretty much harping on the whole, like, you know, we just want to make the routine plays. And the problem is that they lead the league in errors, so they're not making the routine plays, and they're not making the great plays. So can you hide it? You know, can, can Devers kind of get a little bit more comfortable at third base and play a solid month and a half like he did the first two months or so? Sure. You know, but it's just then it becomes, you know, range factors out and left at first base, you know, different positions. But, you know, they could. I mean, Story, if he can get out there and play shortstop the way he did, he won that game for them, game three. You know, no other shortstop in this organization makes that play in the hole. They lose five to four in regulation, lose three straight, and they're out of it. So, you know, there is a little uptick when he is out there defensively. To me, it's about Devers. It's about Casas. Those two guys kind of, you know, just playing better defense. Casas showing a little more range at first base. If they can do that, you can swing the bats. You can hide a lot of that. Lou Merloni, the voice of baseball in Boston, here with Gresham Fourier. All right, tonight, Lou, it looks like the rain is going to clear out. Yeah. And the Red Sox are going to be able to uh, get this one in tonight against the Dodgers. Mookie returns. How do you think the organization, the Red Sox, will handle tonight? Well, I think this, like they always do, right? There'll be a video up there for Mookie. There'll be a video up there for Brazier. There'll be a video up there for anybody else that's ever played in this uniform. But they'll, um, I mean, they'll, 
Obviously, the fans, I think, will react, you know, in a positive light. I don't know why you would boo this guy. You know, maybe if you're just stuck on the whole, like, he's a businessman and, and wasn't going to sign here and should be here and should have accepted some contracts. But for the most part, I think everybody has been blaming the front office and ownership for the last four years. So I don't know how you can now spin it and be mad at him. So I think that he'll, you know, get it. I think for the front office, it'll be uncomfortable watching him here. But I think they truly believe that they did the right thing four years ago. So uh, I just think it'll be a love fest all weekend long. So is that why Mookie is contradicting himself at every single open mic opportunity? You got the one hand where he's like, ah, oh, you know what? I, I never, I never turned down. They never offered me three hundred. And then there's the there's the whole like he's already on the record of saying, uh, you know, yeah. how he admitted that he had no regrets turning that money down. So I, I'm kind of confused with the way he's handling this. Yeah, and I, and I'm with you. I don't know. I mean, I actually had that report years ago about yeah. three hundred million dollars mm-hmm. and. You know, he came out, I think, a year or two later and pretty much confirmed it, right? And said, no, I have no regrets turning down $300 million. And now the week leading into it, it's like it was never offered. I don't know. Was he playing semantics? You know, was it ever a contract in front of him? Was it one of those, like, his agent knew it and he knew it, but they, they knew it wasn't even close? So it was like, that's as far as we're willing to go. You know what I mean? Like, it was, I don't know what game, you know, he's playing. Um, I've always liked Mookie, you know. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if he's trying to. If he's feeling some emotions coming back here, I'll say this. I, I wish that we, and I know a lot of it is maturity and he's older. He's been in the league a lot longer. I wish we saw more of the personality that we're seeing now with him out the Dodgers. You know, I think here he was kind of quiet. He was to himself. Um, great kid. Just that I don't know if he really let people in like he is out there doing a podcast. I don't think he would have done that in a million years out here in Boston. So um, I'm happy for him right now, and I think it'll be a fun weekend for him, be an emotional weekend for him, but you know, I, I don't know what's been going on lately. Lou, what is your theory on why Betts has now been more willing to sort of show more of himself? Is it the contract? Is it not being in the pressure cooker that is Boston where everything gets out there? What's your theory on why we're now seeing the other side of Mookie? I think it's a little combination of maturity and, and comfort and where he is in his life. I do think the markets have something to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. L.A. being a little more laid back. I think in Boston, the pressure cooker, he kind of saw the intensity here. Um, he saw that maybe when players maybe said the wrong thing, the reaction from the fan base. And, and I'm not so sure this would have been a place that he would have opened up and really kind of showed people, like, who he was like he is right now. So I think it's a combination of both. So back to um, just the team and where they're at. I, you know, we're talking about defense endeavors, how bad he is. Yoshida was ripping him again for that uh, that play out in left field on Monday. He's so bad. He's terrible. Um, I just sit there and go, with Bloom, it seems like, you know, he's got this blind spot that we talked about, you know, after the trade deadline, Lou. The other aspect of him, which I think is a massive blind spot, is like he, I almost feel like he doesn't value defense. Because since he's been here, the defensive metrics and the numbers for the Red Sox have been pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, and it starts with, you know, going out and trading for a guy like Kyle Schwarber. You know what I mean? Like, and, and we all love Kyle Schwarber, but like we said back then, it's like I need a first baseman, I don't need a DH. And got to the point where he's actually making him fun of himself defensively. So, and you, you know, you brought in some of these guys here. You knew Yoshida. They truly believed he could swing, and they hit on that. And, and you know, but defensively, we knew that there was going to be some flaws. You know, there's, he couldn't really do anything with Devers and his inconsistencies kind of, you know, throughout his entire career or Casas coming up. But he profiled as a better first baseman in the minor league. So, yeah, when you look at this team defensively, um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that the last few years, they haven't put a good team out there in, on defense. And you can't, you can't consistently win by playing bad defense. You can't consistently win by not having a good bullpen. 
in the last couple of years, you've kind of had both. Which I think is is weird because I don't know. Well, you tell me. You, you tell me because I feel like Cora really values like the, those little things, like the the defensive aspects. Like you know, you got to be good up the middle. That yeah. whole thing. Like and and he's not getting that. He's not getting the right players to do that. Yeah, no, listen, it's 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 not just at the big league level, it's at any level. Any manager, any coach is gonna value defense. They wanna when they, when they put their team out there, they wanna know that if the ball's in the air, it's gonna be caught. That the ball's on the ground, it's gonna be an out. That if it's a hard one hop or a short, we're gonna turn two. Like that should be the least of your worries when you get to this level. Like you always gotta have you're not gonna have superb defensive players all around the infield or the outfield. You'll always have a couple guys you gotta hide. But, you know, when you look at some of those numbers, outs above average, you know, and they're last at third base, they're second to last at first base, they're last at second base, they were last at shortstop, they were second to last in left field, and they're the second to last in center. I don't know what you expect, you know, when you're putting that out there. It's like, yeah, we're going to be a bad defensive team. Let's go out there and swing the bat and try to hide a little bit of it. Can they play clean defense for the next month and a half? Sure. Maybe you can get some confidence and play a little bit above your level. Just make the plays you should. Lou Maloney with us in the in the sport of baseball and we saw a little bit in football last year where it was pretty clear that there were people that weren't happy with Matt Patricia yep. if you're a pitcher on this staff is it sort of customary maybe behind closed doors to sort of bitch or yell at the defense hey you're letting me down or is that not a worry you know I, I I don't I don't know about that because I do think I don't think that really happens because you know when offense starts bitching about pitching staff then all of a sudden the offense goes cold Right, And that's just people who play the game kind of know that. But I would say this. If I'm a pitcher, I'm pissed off the way Major League Baseball is treating these balls that are errors, that aren't errors. It's been going on now for months. We've been watching earned runs, you know, left and right that really aren't. You know, a guy goes out, you know, five innings, three earned runs, and as opposed to five innings, two earned runs, or one earned run, that really affects those guys. So I'm surprised we haven't heard more pitchers talking about the scoring that has been going on in baseball because they're giving hits out left and right that aren't hits. So and I'm, I'm glad you said that because is that because they just want to give make the perception that the game is more attractive and, and better than it really is? It's, it's a weird – I always feel like baseball, like they, they manipulate so much. They manipulate the ball. They manipulate everything. And here they are doing it again. It's like, hey, all you umpires, all you guys that are running the game, yeah. let's, and all you guys that score the game, let's not make it look like our guys are bad. Well, I, I think it, a lot of people sort of believe in this theory that Major League Baseball is trying to prove that the shift and the pitch clock and this, that, and everything else, that there are more hits, that there is more offense, that there's more runs scored, these sort of things. So at the end of the year, they can put it in front of everybody. And I don't think they have to. I think everybody likes the product. I think they love the product. I think they love the quicker games. I don't need you know, some statistical proof that there are more hits in the game. I just want like what's been going on in baseball for 100 years, uh, you know, a ball, one hopper to your third baseman or your shortstop that he misses or throws off the bag to be an error. I mean, it just kind of comes down to like, you know, saving what you have in the game. I mean, it is what it is. Those, those balls aren't hits. I don't know. You could go deep conspiracy theory that it's ordered from the owners because right now you pay more for pitching than hitting. So let's devalue the pitchers by having different numbers and all that stuff. But that's a real deep dive. Lou, uh, last thing for me, I just saw Red Sox stats tweeted out about Brian Bayo and that the new breaking ball has got a little more horizontal movement to it. It's been a while since we've asked you about your trained eye on the development of Bayo. Up 11 nothing, bit of a layup yesterday for him. But the Bayo development, what are you seeing? Yeah, he's really good. And I know we're pointing at, like, you know, post-whatever, uh, all-star break, and he just got hammered a couple of times, and that kind of really inflates it. But 
Um, you know, you talk to other teams and, and players, and I mean, his stuff is legit. And I thought it's interesting that he pointed that out because yesterday, you know, the slider is like that third pitch, and it, and it almost had like more of like a, like, like a cutter lateral movement to it, right? So it looked a little bit different. So he's going to kind of continue to flirt with some stuff. No pitcher comes in year one as the same guy two or three years later. You know, they changed some things up, but he's just been dominant. He gave you everything you needed. You had nobody in that bullpen yesterday. Mm-hmm. Nobody. You had like Schreiber and you had Bernardino, you know, in kind of leverage. Everybody else was down. And Jovera was able to give you a couple. And he went out and good seven innings against a very good lineup. The offense helped. You know, Astros sort of laid down a little bit after a while, but he's been fantastic. Good stuff from our friend Lou Merloni, the voice of baseball in Boston. And he's with us here on the Harbor One Hotline. Lou, thanks a bunch, friend. We appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you over at the uh, Jimmy Fund on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday over at Fenway. Yep, I'll see you guys over there Tuesday. All right, brother. We'll see you, babe. There we go. There goes the great Lou Maloney. The great Lou Harbor One Hotline. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.